0: Welcome to the Positive Education Podcast with Ash Manuel. As we know, the number one hot topic in the world is mental well being. Ash has worked with close to 1,000 organisations impacting more than a quarter of a million people, including schools, sports teams, and businesses across 45 countries. Today, Ash is regarded as a global thought leader in positive education. In this podcast, you'll hear stories, information, and actionable ideas from positive education and well-being experts. The purpose of the podcast is so that you take away ideas that you can execute in your classroom, across your school, at your sports club, and in your organization, plus tips and tricks that you can apply in your own life. Hi everyone and welcome to the Positive Education podcast. I'm your host Ash Manuel. And today, we have a very special guest. Now, Normally, we interview teachers, well-being experts in their field, uh, people who are involved in well-being in sport. Now, today is quite a bit of a different interview. It's with Sean, the wild thing, Tate. Now, Sean is a, a professional cricketer. He's played three test matches for Australia, 35 one one-day internationals, and 21 T20 games for Australia. He's represented 15 professional sports teams, which probably equals more clubs than, well, Definitely more clubs than Tiger Woods has in his gold bag. In 2007, Sean was a key member of Australia's World Cup winning team, where he was named in the World Eleven for the tournament. And in 2010, Sean bowled a delivery clocked at 161one kilometers per hour, the second fastest of all time. Now, currently, Sean is actually the bowling coach of Pakistan. So he spent a lot of time actually in Pakistan and also travelling around the world um, in different roles um, within cricket. He's also... A, has invested in different um, businesses as well and certainly looking forward to finding out a few more of the, well, about a few of those today. Now, I guess Sean isn't the normal guest that we've had on the show, but I really want to explore with Sean the life of a professional sports person because from the outside, it might seem really glamorous, but to be honest, I think if we actually sit back and look, it can be qu- quite challenging. And I know Sean's had some um, mental well-being challenges over um, his career when he was playing, and I'm really looking forward to exploring with those, um, with Sean today. Welcome to the podcast, Sean.
1: Thanks, Ash. It's, uh, it's a pleasure. Thanks for to inviting uh, Sorry? Thanks for inviting me. Oh, absolute pleasure. It's a bit of
0: a different type of um, episode today where I'm interviewing um, Sean, the wild thing, Tate, um, who uh, I happen to know quite well, but I've actually really... Loved for people to hear a bit more about his story um and I guess the some mental well being challenges that have come up, but also how sport has helped him in his life as well. And um hopefully we can um take away some things um from this interview today. Now, Sean I saw a clip on uh, YouTube the other day um in a press conference and you got quite angry at the um at the question. So hopefully you'll be able to just restrain yourself from uh uh-huh. the today um so, uh, that'd be greatly appreciated so Jordan, just can you share a bit about life growing up i know that you grew up in um or, or just l in i guess you could call country south australia um yep just a bit about your, your childhood and
1: um those early years um first of all my friends can't call me wild thing that's Joke. that's not on lance <laughs> morris is the new wild thing by the way um so yes, I grew up in a, a very small—I wouldn't even call it a community, just a, a, an area, because um, you didn't see anybody. So you can't call it a community when there's no one around. But we, but we I think, in Dorsley, which is, um, which is about, I suppose, ten minutes drive out, further outside of Nan in the hills. Um, and but and when I grew up, you know, there wasn't the, the freeway and the tunnels and whatever. Was a lot different. So. It was an extra probably twenty minute drive, so it, it was country South Australia certainly at that time, um, still is, but it's it's uh, very commutable. But um, so, uh, mum, dad, and brother Jaron, um, and whatever, just a normal normal sort of Australian kid's life, I suppose. We had a bit of a little bit of acreage, so it was good for sport growing up. Um, and we went to the local school and, and joined the local sporting clubs. Just the usual story, I suppose. Um, I would have started footy maybe age six at, at Nan, um, and cricket we would have, started, I would have started at seven. I think it was seven years old at, at Nan as well. So, it wasn't the whole school sport thing. It was uh, more so club sport, um, which was which was that became your community and and what you did on the weekends and all of that sort of stuff. Hmm.
0: So, when when you grew up, I know that. Um, I guess you grew up mainly with your dad and um, your brother, Jared. What what was that like growing up with, I guess, your mum not being mm. around too mm.
1: much? Um, so my parents divorced, I, was, I think I was 12, around that time. Um, Jared was obviously two and a half years younger. Um, so at that time, Jared, I think it was a sort of age thing. I was 12, maybe I was turning 13. I, I can't remember the exact, but at that time, Legally, you can make your own decisions on what you did, and, and Jared was still too young, I think. Um, so he was sort of he was with mum a lot, um, still. And I and at that time, for whatever reason or another, I stayed with dad. Basically, I'd go and see I'd go and see mum, maybe a couple of days a week, while dad had to keep working. Um, we, we at that time we owned own the fruit and veg shop in the end. and they still, my parents still worked the shop together, although they were separated and dad would have to go to the market at three o'clock in the morning. So at that time I would stay with Mum and catch the school bus. It was just easier. So, but eventually I sort of weaned away from that. And for whatever reason, I just wanted to stay with dad out on the property. Um, and I I didn't want to spend a lot of time with my mum. Um, and so I ended up staying out on the property by myself at, at sort of the age of 13. Um, a lot of the time, 13, 14, 15. I was by myself out there. Um, and I'd just wait for dad to get home in the morning and, and whatever. So Does that, that was a good, go? that was a, eh? Does that mean you didn't go to school? I No, I did. I think dad used to come home in the morning. Uh, by the, He ended up going back to the police force. And so he had been on shift work. Uh. And I, he'd come back in the morning. I think I would, he'd quickly just drop me up to the bus stop type thing. So I talk about that. I've just spoken about my, with my wife a bit about that stuff, like, how things at that age shape you. Mm. Um, and I'm a fairly, I think I'd like to say I'm a fairly independent person. And I have a, I have an issue with relying on people too much or whatever. And I like to try and rely on myself. And I think that little three-year period of being home on a, in the middle of nowhere by myself, cooking my own dinner or getting my own dinner prepared, I think dad would cook it to be fair. Yeah, going and, and, and doing things on the property by myself, albeit scared, scared shitless most of the time. I think it ends up shaping you that sort of stuff. So, although divorce is not very nice as, as a child, there are some things that happen around that that I would say toughen you up, toughen you up a bit, if yeah. you know what I mean. So, yeah,
0: absolutely. I think anyway. one one thing I reckon that's really big for young people to learn is um, like that ownership, being responsible for what you yeah. do. I mean, that's probably extreme what you went through to learn those skills. But mm. at the end of the day, we're responsible for ourselves, no matter yeah. if we like it or not. Like. Um, as adults, like if we're having a bad day, the only person who can improve our mood is ourselves. And if we can yeah, if we can teach young people those skills from a young age, I think it's only gonna hold them in good stead. And um obviously there's nice more. to go about it. But what what about mm-hmm. your daughter, Winter, she's um five or six? Yep. How five, yeah. How I guess from your childhood growing up, what have, have how can I ask this? So What have you, I guess, from what you, what your parents passed on to you? Yeah. uh, What have you passed on that you learned from them? But maybe also some things that happened that, okay, I don't want this to happen to my daughter or um, Mm. from that when I was young. And I want to change that way for my daughter. Well,
1: if that makes sense. Divorce would be a good start if I can avoid, (laughs) if I can try and avoid that. um, That'd be, that'd be a good start. No, no. So, uh, look, to be honest i, I gotta say she 's five years old um and and obviously being she's a girl i mean not that that matters but you know it is it is a bit different so um to be honest like, there's probably nothing I can really say right now that i'm i'm necessarily passing on from my childhood i, I guess um at the moment at the moment um we live in the, we live in the middle of london uh it's very different to being in the middle of Dorsley in the adelaide hills um her school is, is a one minute walk from our house where we used to catch 18 buses to get to school, you know. Um, so at the moment, we it's a lot different. The um, road. what's that? Double dust ups on the bus on the way to school, as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, she's not doing all that stuff, but um, she's uh, for now, is an only child as well, so that that's going to be a lot different. Um, and I think those being independent and and looking after yourself, making your own choices, is certainly what I'm going to be. My wife and I will be will be pushing into her. So I suppose from that point of view, Dad always let us a lot of the time make our own choices, mm. um, and and but you had to be accountable for that. Yeah, I still do that now. I, I think if, if I look through my cricket career, I did make my own choices, right or wrong, a lot of the time. Frustratingly, for some other people, I made my own choices, and and I think now I still do the same thing. Um, certainly, I don't, I don't, I'm R too much about decisions. I, I make something that's in my gut. Mm. I make a, a decision that's in my gut, and I usually go with that. So, and you have to live with that yourself. Like you said, if you're if you're always waiting for someone else to make decisions for you, and mm. I think that does happen in society a lot now. Mm. Um, uh, and I, certainly with cricket, I see coaching with cricket now. Part, a big part of what I try and do is make the players feel like adults, because in cricket now, you, everything's it's very different to when certainly when I first started playing, where um, you've got to take ownership of your own game. It doesn't happen as much anymore. So. Around that lines of of making your own choices is 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 certainly going to be something I try and push to winter as well, my daughter.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Just like what when you said then just about the um make the players feel like adults. Like currently you're the bowling coach of Pakistan, and um you mentioned it was a lot different to how when you played. So you, what what do you mean? Like what are some of those differences from when you played to now about what you've seen with the players? Obviously, I guess they have
1: a lot done for them. Yep. Yeah, yeah most- oh, yeah, 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 definitely. Um, I, I just feel like obviously there's a lot more cricket played nowadays, so you've got to, the management of their bodies and their bowling workloads and stuff is is huge now. And I don't the physio and the fitness trainer pretty much cover most of that. So I'm, I'm involved in it and just always, you know, coach. What do I what do I do now? Just coach, how many more should I bowl? I'm like, you know, you got to make that decision now. How do you feel? And and but it goes it goes off the field as well. Um, and, they're, they're, yeah, they're very much waiting for coaches and, and, and people or support staff to do a lot of things for them. And that's not their fault. That's just the way the game is now. Um, so, you know, you and also with this this whole T20 thing, you know, they're playing for their country board and, and then there's T20 cricket and they're not sure what to do. Should I, should I you, know, you know, I know when I play, we made our own choices around that stuff as well. It's your career. Mm. Um, you've got to make your own choice on, on what path you want yeah. to take obviously you take advice from people mm. um, I know that's not a very clear answer that's sort of no I
0: know, I know what you mean I think um, and yeah. because this generation I guess you'll be dealing with some young people like teenagers like who are playing international cricket I know there's some young yeah. guys who are in their teens in the Pakistan squad in early 20s and if, if they've come through um, I guess the pathway and had that they mm. don't know different and I guess um, I guess that can shape people in their life as well. It's a bit scary if, to think about, well, after cricket, what happens because they've always had their decisions made for yeah. them. Um, so it's a really interesting thing. And I think something that from the outside we might not consider. And I guess that is an issue that can come from professional sport, the the mental health issues after sport. Um, yeah. Not just in it with the high pressure situations and um, a lot of mm. travel and a lot of isolation, but... Um, after yeah. after a sport, so what's your experience
1: with that with the athletes? Maybe well, think, also what you've seen. I think one thing I notice nowadays in 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 society, this is, I could be very wrong here, but I, and I certainly run sport, is it's a very much a. So you see a bunch of guys, you see a, a bunch of seventeen-year-old lads, and they're always not everyone. Obviously, there's going to be difference, but there's there's you're always in in packs. They're always together with the same haircuts, the same clothes. I'm sure we probably did a bit of that as well. <laughs> and, the, yeah. and, and the same this, the same that. And they're always together. And, they, and they, it's almost like they can't speak without one another. And that happens. You see that in cricket now a bit. As I felt back in the day, uh, this is going to sound, every generation is going to say, say the same thing. Back in the day, rah, rah. But it was more individual. Obviously, you had your mates. But you weren't necessarily hanging around in big packs of people And hmm. and 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 with the same thoughts and, and the, the same sort of chat as as, you, as all the other guys in your group, I felt like it was very much um, it was more independent, more individual, and you had a few mates type thing. So, and I'm going to say almost to the point where we're not. I don't know if the if society and certainly sport are producing the same leaders as they used to because of that reason. Guys would would hang out by themselves, do their own thing a bit more. Nowadays, it just looks like everyone's together. In a bit of a sheep mentality, and it's tough to <laughs> tough to produce leaders out of that sort of idea. Um, yeah, I don't know, mate. If you if you think the same thing, but that's just a weird thought of mine.
0: Yeah. Ah, absolutely. Well, I mean, you would know. I've never been in that sort of professional environment like
1: that, and um, but even but even even a local, even you know, like even just around society in general, around. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think um, it's just an observation. Mm, yeah, it could be so. Anyway, anyway. Mm, it's
2: interesting, yeah.
1: interesting thought because.
0: The world is totally different to what even like ten years like it's, mm. it's a lot different. Social media's got a lot to do with the technology. Um, just the interaction like with people have, it's um and, and it can be challenging. Like yeah. it's um it's got its obviously positives, but it does have an impact on our um well being as well. Like with the it can definitely lead to um like relying on that dopamine hit. Like for some like yeah, some, yeah, yeah, yeah. a like or something like that, as we know, like it, sends their brains into like, oh, yes, how good is this? And I guess those young people, um, particularly through professional sport, um, have that. Yeah. Well, obviously, they'll. it's it's an easy way for people to have a go at them as well. Um, and if people read it, it can
2: affect
1: yeah. their well-being as well. But it's... Oh, yeah. the huge thing as well that comes out of that, I'll just say about, which obviously has got to stem from social media and, and whatever, but the fear of missing out is so strong. Like it, it goes with every... Like players now and I'm guessing society is the same, they can't miss out on it because I think it comes from Twitter and these sort of things and Instagram. If someone's got something or someone's doing something or someone looks a certain way, they have to be the same. Mm. You know what I mean? It's like you can't not be on social media or you can't, I can't believe I didn't see that video on on TikTok or oh, he's got that haircut, I'll get it. It's it's unbelievable. I find it um, incredible that this whole thing of, I can't just go and do my own thing comfortably. Yeah. I've got to do that with all my mates and do what everyone else is doing. That's what I've noticed, you know. And that's big time has like, become. And that's with the Pakistani
0: yeah. cricket team as well? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's really it's interesting. Really interesting. To a certain, to certain, to certain yeah. way. To a certain way. To certain extent. Sorry. Yeah.
0: It's, um, yeah that, no, it's really interesting insights. Um. Sean, going back uh, from when you're playing now, you came onto the scene as a, or oh, got the nickname Wild Thing, but not allowed to call you that, but. Uh, its um came in as a, like a i guess a what into the South Australian cricket team about eighteen um played first class cricket maybe a couple of years before you played for australia so how how did that all come about and I guess from your point of view like how what impact did that have on you from such a young age
1: um I think I was nineteen anyway either way, I was nineteen I think when I debuted for south australia um Sorry, so i was i played Sturt, um, and I'm not going to go through the whole story, but there were certainly times when I was at Sturt. I had a couple of injuries back then, um, and I was so close to throwing it in and going back to Nan. Um, and, and anyway, I got an opportunity through through Peter Muggleton, who you know, he, he he believed in me and gave me a shot. And I think in the A grade side, so I think a, a year and a half later, after playing in the A grade, I was playing for South Australia. So it, it all happened really quickly. But um, I would go and I, would, I had a job. Also, Peter Mugwoodson gave me a job at the Stacker as a trainee. And while I was there, Greg Chapel was coaching. I'd go and train with the team. They needed an extra bowler. So I'd go and bowl to the team. And, and I remember I think I hit Bluey. I hit Greg Blue on the foot and broke his foot or broke his toe or something. And I think after that, they were like, righto, we've you, got to get this guy on the side type thing. Yeah. So that's how that all sort of quickly happened. And then um, – and. I think uh, 2002 I might have started, and by 2004 I'd been on, I went to Schlanker with the Australian team. So that happened fairly quickly as well. Um, and it was probably at the time um, uh, Brett Lee was injured. So Brett Lee was obviously bowling uh, at a high pace. And I suppose I was the next guy coming through that could bowl at a high pace. So that was always the attraction mm. with the selectors to me. It wasn't, and I was taking wickets, but for me, I, I suppose the advantage of being fast tracked was the pace thing. If you can bowl fast, there's not a lot of guys that can bowl around one hundred fifty, so in your come type. And I think it still happens today. So um so my whole career was based around purely based everything was based around bowling fast. Everything. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So what when when you got into that sort of that system, like the state system, Australian system, how how you yeah. feel? Like was it a comfortable thing? Was it, mm. did the players make it easy or was it challenging for a younger guy coming in?
1: It was I was comfortable to be honest. I, I think um yeah, I was it was comfortable, I've got to say. I didn't When I first went on the South Australian team, I I certainly didn't talk a great deal until I felt comfortable. And uh, um, uh, there was that you certainly didn't want to, you didn't want to, it felt like you didn't want to talk out of turn. You didn't want to talk about yourself too much. Um, Yeah. All that stuff because you would get shut down. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, you would get shut down. But at the same time, I think 10 years before I started, or even five years, was even worse by the sound of it. Not worse, but it was. Very much old school and, and very much know your place. So there was still a bit of that around when I played, but I like that.
2: Mm.
1: I like that. I think you, you know, yeah. Nowadays it's very much open. You can you can you can come in and, and be who you want and, and talk how you want, and which is nice and free. But I just think it used to when I first started. Just gave yourself a little bit of a, you know, just be careful, do the right thing, be it a good person, mm. um, work hard and perform. And then you start fitting in the group, I suppose. That's sort of how it was. Um, yeah. And the Australian team was was uh, again very comfortable. so you know, when I first joined, uh, first went to Sri Lanka, and I turned up, and and I think the first person, the you know, apart from the the coach, when I first got there, and whatever the captain Shane Warne was there, mm. and just the the warmth coming from him straight away, mm. um, and it was in front of people as well. He was. He said something about me and, and, and whatever in front of everyone with his typical loud voice and his charisma. And um, and I just felt welcome as soon as I heard his voice and that he was positive about me being in the squad. Mm. Yeah, coming from Warney, that was it for me. I was comfortable, so, yeah. Yeah,
0: that's pretty amazing. Like, I guess, and that's that comes like, it, it, I think, not, not being in that situation, but if you're like a leader in that, if you're a leader in a team, it doesn't matter what level, and you've got a new person coming in, it's like that empathy mm. thing like putting yourself in their shoes because one day you
2: know what it feels like yeah
0: yeah you were there so i reckon yeah. it's such a huge thing particularly i guess when you're representing um a team or at a local level coming into a new club like putting yourself in the, their shoes because everyone started yeah sometime um yeah and remembering that and i think that's a huge thing because you, you can come in with some huge egos into a, a setup and made feel yeah. like crap um, yep. and you play straight away and you can it can affect people's performance, and that can be at work in the workplace, um, yeah, it can be anywhere. So it's, it's really good that you are able to,
1: um, I think you know, on. I would I would I would say that when I went into the South Australian team and the Australian side, I was extremely, I gotta say, you know, i tap myself on the back here, pat myself on the back, but I was I was respectful of, yeah. of, of the guys that were there, and that was that is all that all came from my childhood, my upbringing from my dad. Mm. Yeah, pull your head in. I, I, can, you, I can still hear his voice. You know, but what the words he used to say. You know, going into any new environment. You know, work, work hard. Yeah, yeah don't be a loud mouth All the stuff that Dad used to say. So, I think that was huge part of my dad do. Yeah, don't do what your dad does. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So <laughs> that was um that was all from from upbringing and and and, and advice from my dad, I suppose. And so. Um. But yeah, I think, you know, I, I was lucky as well. I had I had uh, Jason Gillespie and Darren Lehman in the Australian squad when I joined, and they were South Australian. Mm. And both of those two looked after me very well, like big brothers type thing. So that, that worked well. Mm.
0: Yeah, It's interesting you say that because I think it works both ways. Like if you're going to a new environment, you've got to take it upon yourself as well. And that could be... 100%. Respectful. Like it, um, respectful, self-awareness. I reckon self-awareness is a really big thing, understanding that okay, yeah. I'm into a new environment here. I, I want to... I'm not going to... Um, be too loud or not yep. gonna come across like a, I don't know, a knob so to speak. But like, people are
1: gonna want to put you down straight away. They're gonna yeah. they're gonna test you. Yeah. Um, they're gonna and so yeah, yeah. If if you come in all guns blazing, mm-hmm. you'll be tested. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I think with that awareness sure. thing, it's like, it's huge because if you have that self
0: awareness and like understand, okay, I'm in your environment, but it's up to like me to go and introduce mm-hmm. lots of people as well, um, and that. Even just going out yourself and introducing someone is a huge is to break the ice. It's a massive thing. Yeah, make someone feel comfortable. And even just call somebody by their name. Like I know that's probably the other way around. Like having a someone like Shane Warren call you by your name. name. Um,
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Is a huge thing. Like it
1: makes your like shoulders stand up. I I could see he made 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 a big effort. He made a big effort to 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 do that. Hmm. Um, Everyone was everyone was around the swimming pool. Hmm. I sort of just come out of my room and walk down towards the pool, and I was I was shitting myself. These guys were I had posters on my wall. Some of these guys, you know, and and when he and he was one of them, I had a poster on my wall of warning and when he came over and, and and did that, I was like, oh
2: wow, brilliant.
1: Yeah. So anyway, hmm.
2: uh,
0: that's really interesting. And in, in that Sri tour, didn't I'm not sure if had you, you had a nickname Sloan for a while?
1: Yeah, how did that come about? Was that in so? Sch- uh, yeah, it was just in Sri Yeah, I checked in when I first got there. I checked into the. The team were up in up up in the mountains, up in Candy, and I I got there. I was by myself because I was replacing Brett Lee, I think. And I got to the hotel and they just they checked me in as Sloon Tate, and I was like, "What is Sloon? So obviously lost in translation with with names and and all that stuff. Anyway, so they and then every time I check into the I check the next hotel, they couldn't understand they couldn't understand my name properly. So I just checked in as Sloon everywhere I went.
2: So. And then
0: it's just it's
1: a stupid nickname of
2: stuff.
1: Uh, yeah, it's
0: uh, good. And um, a couple other nicknames, Jug, have come up over the years. I remember a. Um, must not have sure been, how that came about. I'll tell you exactly how. So uh, it's uh, you're in um, what's that in Wales in Cardiff playing for uh, Glamorgan, and Jared, mm. brother and I, were over there. Jared was actually playing um, local cricket over there as well. And I think it was just a Sunday morning or maybe not, no midweek morning. Mm. Started giving each other nicknames mm. and. You came up with a jug because you got big ears and it's like it's holding a jug.
2: I
1: think uh jug- yes. That's that's somehow stuck. Over there. It's always funny the ones you don't want to stick, don't they? Oh, well, it's not that bad. Um
0: <laughs> Jared had tennis racket because you could fit a uh tennis racket between his teeth. You could eat an apple for a tennis racket. Eat an <laughs> <laughs> and uh mine was Sarge because I had a uh a horrific haircut that looked like it came
2: out the ridiculous arm. haircut.
0: Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. probably, probably yeah. the only one that hadn't stuck is um, Jared's racket. But uh, anyway. Yes. Um, moving on. Um, but you've got to have good humor. It's uh, always good to uh, have a laugh with nicknames. It's one good, good way to uh, improve the mood. Well, it's a
1: bit, again, if you talk about, I mean, it's a funny one again. If you talk about you know, society nowadays, having a laugh about nicknames, you've got to be careful, I suppose. But yeah, I think you've good. got to have that stuff. You've got to, especially in sport, I don't care what anyone says, you've got to. It's not bullying, you know. No. You you've got to have some fun. You got to have a few jokes, and yeah, anyway.
0: exactly. It builds like it's fun, It's funny, like because even particularly if you're you're in a team, you have those little nicknames for yourself, like within the group. It just sort of creates that banter as yep. well. You're right. There just. is a difference between banter and bullying, like, and you got to yep. know yep. that. Yeah, that yeah is uh, definitely um, important. So, just Sean, just shifting slightly. Um, I think it might have been in what year was it? Ooh, it was. Must have been around two thousand. I do have it written down actually. For my, uh, I'll tell
1: you what, what. What is it? What's this one?
0: Oh, so when you let, when you had a break from cricket with um, I guess some two
1: thousand eight, two
0: thousand eight with some I guess yeah challenges, whether that was
1: physical and, and mental challenges. Can you tell yep. us about that? Um, this one this is this is a it's it's a it's a blur. A lot of it is a blur to be honest. Yeah. Um, and every now and then I do still every now and then I do still reflect on it and just think, what was going on? And I, and I don't even know the answer, to be honest. Um, which I think in these situations, the person doesn't know the answer majority of the time. Mm. Um, well, you don't, because otherwise you'd, you'd sort it out. But um, well you don't know the reason. Um, I was playing in... I was playing in... Basically, I was playing... I think it was started after playing a test match in Perth. Anyway, it didn't. The test didn't go well. I was, I was a little. Bit, I was injured and, and whatever. I think I might have been the fourth pace picked, and I felt like a spare spare part in the test team. To be honest, and then I and then I ended up going to we went to Adelaide from Perth to play a test match. And I was twelfth man again. I was like, you know what, twelfth man at my home ground, and I'd been I'd been running drinks for the Australian side. I reckon quite a bit, and it was starting. To, I must go. It's, it was starting to get a little bit old. If you're a competitive person. And you're always outside the team, in the squad. Obviously, you are privileged to be there, all that stuff. But if you're a competitive person, at some point you want to have a crack. So I don't know if I can't remember if my patience was running out or I was just. But it'd been the other stuff had been building up for for quite a while before that. My physical stuff. I was always I couldn't quite stay in the park properly. I was always getting injured basically, and it was it was starting to to pee me off. And then before the Perth Test match. I had to get my skin folds down. I was carrying, I was carrying, I was a bit heavy. And <laughs> and so I had to do a boxing session two days before the test match and i tweaked my hamstring. Boxing? And I was just annoyed. Yeah, I was annoyed because I had to, and fair enough, I had to get my, my weight under control, which is fine, but I tweaked my hamstring before the test and I went in with a t- tweaked hammy and I was just so annoyed about that. How did you do that boxing
0: I where you're running around and sprinting up and bouncing? Oh, I don't
1: know. It? I was stretching out the to- I was stretching out to. It probably shows you the condition I was in, to be honest, or or what it probably probably doing too much to try and get my weight down. So I was, you know, I was injury prone. So anyway, so I was I was so annoyed about that, to be honest. I was like, this is just I just want to play the test match. I don't want to have, try and get my skin folds down. Ra rah rah. That was I was having problems dealing with that. And um twelfth man in Adelaide that annoyed me, you know, and I sort of left the test match to go and play for South Australia instead of being twelfth man in the test match. I left. And went and played for South Australia, and even that, I was just like, and I'll never forget going through the crowd. I was, I was, I was down. I was mentally gone, and I, I went through the crowd at the back of Adelaide Oval. So I went back in the change rooms, got changed, and I had to catch a flight to to Melbourne. and I, And the crowd at the back were all sort of yelling my name, type thing, and the security were taking me through the crowd, and I, ne- I just heard this, you know, voice call my name out. And I turned around with my dad, and he was like, he looked at me, and I was, I think he could tell I was distressed. And I was just sort of, I was just annoyed. And I was sort of, I couldn't stop to talk to my dad. And I was, he didn't even know I was getting on a flight to Melbourne. I think I might have yelled out, I'll call you, I'll call you later. I'm yeah. going to Melbourne. And he was, and he was, I could see his worry on his face about me. Um, I think he knew I was going through a tough time anyway. And I couldn't stop. There's so many people and I couldn't stop to talk to my dad. And that annoyed me. Like that, that got to me.
2: Hmm.
1: And off I went to, to, to the airport, straight to the airport, straight to Melbourne to play a game, for South Australia. Played the game for South Australia. I think I took three for dinner right. And and I just said to the, my mate, the physio, John Porter, at the time, I was like, Well, I'm done here. I'm absolutely done. I need to I need to break right now. Hmm. So anyway, so and, and funnily enough, I think from there I had to go I had to go to Melbourne with the physio and have an injection in my elbow in my elbow, I think it was. So I was constantly, you know, injections in the elbows, tweaked hamstring from trying to get my weight down, rah, rah, rah. Nobody else's fault, but it was, it, was, it was just the way it was. And talking, I spent a couple of nights in Melbourne with the physio and just chatted through it with him. And just I, just, I don't care what anyone else thinks or what the media thinks. I don't care what I'm taking a break. It's as simple mm. as that. Yeah. So that was sort of, but the reason for it was building up over a period of time, I think. And it was more physical. My, I just, my body was physically, mm. um, I just couldn't get it right. And then, and then obviously, the pressures of playing for Australia when you can't get on the track and get your body right, there's a lot of pressure. Mm, yeah. Um, even from Cricket Australia what are you doing why can't you why can't you stay in the park mm. um, and it was just time to take a break yep mm. I guess that's pre- that's a pretty courageous decision as well because it could have been
0: easier to stick out um, stick that time well it would I guess you knew that yep. was going to happen there was a lot of I remember that I reckon there was a like the day that or the next day that you well you announced the, mm. that you take a break and then I reckon um, a camera was the, at your front door the next day like yep in your face, Out the yeah. House, yeah, yeah. So it was it was one of those things where it was it a was, it must have been a really tough decision, but one that you knew you had to make. And I guess, um, having that break, and then you did get back into cricket and you've been involved yeah. in pretty much ever since. So it was probably obviously the right, well, you know,
1: yeah. You know, I think there was a lot, a big part of me for a long time, uh, was struggling. And uh, whatever this sounds, I don't care as well, but I was struggling. I, like you said, I started when I was 19 and. And that was it. I was traveling and, and playing professional cricket, which was fantastic. But look back now, you wouldn't have it any other way. But at the time, I felt like I was missing my youth a bit. Mm. And I felt like I was missing out on what my – talk about FOMO. I was missing out what my mates were doing a bit, what you guys were doing and whatever. And I sort of – and that break, I remember you and I, we we went out and had a, had a few beers and, and – um and just spent some time and Jared and my brother. And, and I went to uh, New Zealand on a trip with a friend. I went to America on a trip with, with Russ, a friend. And I think I just had to get back to doing some, some stuff like that. Mm. And it sounds privileged and all that. I know it does, but um, that's the reality. And then I remember being in, in America and we're walking, I was probably about two weeks into the trip and I'm walking along and I just said to Russ, I was like, this hunger is just burned. Like the hunger to get back to cricket is is strong. I want to get back to play for South Australia. I want to be around my teammates. I want to win some games for South Australia. And if I get back to playing for Australia, so be it. I didn't care about Australia that time.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and then I never went back to, to first-class cricket. I don't think after that. I didn't play any more shield cricket. I stopped and just played white ball, which was a great decision, to be honest, because just playing white ball cricket, just allowed my, I stayed on the park. Mm. It allowed my body to... I could run in and ball fast, and I was fine. So... That was another big step in my career, just just playing the short form of the game. Yeah.
0: Mm. I think that comes back... Again, that's great self-awareness, understanding your body and where you're at mentally and making that just, that probably... I know it's quite common now where people just play
2: a <laughs> while. Yeah.
0: It wasn't that... Um, no, it wasn't. Not, not many people just doing it. So that would have been no. a pretty big decision as well. Um, slightly moving um, direction, Sean. Um, I guess um, you and I... This year, oh, sorry, last year, 2022, we we both lost our um, dads. Um, Mm. I know that you were very, very close with your dad. Um, Mm. How has that impacted you over the last or what's been eight or nine months probably now? How has that
1: impacted you? Yeah, I mean, oh, that was, you know, I think my entire life, uh, even as a kid, you worry, I don't know, when you're a kid, I think you worry about your your parents going or whatever it is so you you worry about your parents not being there but on my entire life the one day I was dreading was that day mm. um when, when when dad if dad was to, to die so yeah that was I was away I moved I've, I live in London so I moved I moved to London and I've got a phone call on my birthday as well We died so um which is coming up actually so yeah I think that's the most significant um thing to happen in my life by a long way um, obviously, he brought us up. All that stuff um, was a huge, a huge influence on our life. Um, so I think that's yeah, the biggest thing that's happened to me, and it's ongoing, I suppose. Trying to get your head around it, um, uh, and it's sort of try. You certainly, as everyone has been through the similar situation, you just question everything. You question life. Mm-hmm. Um, what is? It, what's it all about? You question. You become more emotional about everything. I feel I have. Um, because when you've got your own kids as well, your own kid as well, um, that impacts how you think about raising them. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's, it's and I've been away the whole time as well. So that's whether that it, maybe that's easier actually being away. Like Jared, my brother has to deal with that he lives ten minutes from where Dad lived, and it's all there. So I, that might even be harder. I've been away, which you'd think would be more difficult, but maybe getting away from it has actually been easier. So um, I don't know. Yeah. yeah have you have you had
0: like have you tried or not know what the right word is but used some strategies to help with that grief
1: at all or sort of just have i yeah i i am no one's an expert on it um i don't think because everyone's different everyone's situation yeah. everyone's relationship's different my my relationship with my dad was very different the last couple of years of his life it was very different to what it was when I was younger so yeah we weren't i, I would say we weren't as close but we're still Obviously we we're still close, but we weren't as close. Our relationship wasn't as thick as it was when I was in my twenties. Mm. Um you know, I'd been away a lot and all that sort of thing and then um, and whatever. So but I used to go once a week I'd be out at his house having a cup of tea on his back veranda, looking over the, the property and all that stuff. So we still we're, we're still very much together a lot. But mm. um, now what was the question? Sorry, mate. No, uh, oh,
2: any uh, uh, the, the,
1: yeah. Okay. No, there's no. I th- I just said to myself, you just got to deal with this, and you got to you got to feel everything and get through it. You know, my wife, uh, mushrooms. Her her dad had died. He, he died about eight years ago, so she knew what it was all about and what it felt like. And she just said, you just got to go through it. There's no. Mm. You got to experience it and 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 whatever. So I think I've dealt with it fairly well. Mm. I got to say, to be honest. Um As well as could I, I think as well as I could have I I can can be doing so yeah but I I would say no no great strategies mate I think you just got to feel it and and do it your, your own way I don't know what you I don't know what you're going through but yeah. oh I, yeah absolutely it's one of those things everyone's
0: different like sometimes it's um you have good days and sometimes you have bad days like you never you, like, they're always going to be there like um is in in your they're going to be there in your thoughts and sometimes you, yeah. Um, particularly early on it's been how long has it been for or coming up to two months since my dad yep. had, um, passed and they happened quite quick and your dad's happened very quick um, and it's hard to know what to think at the start it's a bit bit of a blur a bit of a um, situation it does it does impact you because they've yep. been you know, your whole life and then yep. the start, not not there um,
1: so I, I think you're right it's no set strategy but i think it's funny actually i got a message it was about 3 months after dad had passed away and i got a message from a mate saying um wow. he said mate, i know uh, after around this time after my, his dad had passed away it was very tough for him so he sent me a message which was i took a photo of the message and i've still got it
2: hmm.
1: um a guy I played cricket with in the hills anyway he he um and he was he was spot on and at that time i was sort of i was sort of I needed that message actually, which was very, very strange. And I, I sent the message to my brother and he also sent my brother the same message. Mm. And we both agreed that that was, he's exactly right. Three months in was, um, it was a very tough time. Um, even if it was just for a few days, I just remember it being, I think it's when it kicked in about mm. three months later. Mm. Um, and it's, it's not as bad. Yeah. You know, the, the, it's not as tough right now, but it's uh, like you said, it's a day to day thing. You wake up, there's not, I mean, there hasn't been, I don't think there's been many mornings where it's not the first thing that's in my mind. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, it's yeah. as I said, everything, everyone deals something in their own way, but I think it's important to find what works mm-hmm. for you, whatever that is, and go with it in that sort of grief situation. Um, yeah. So, just changing direction slightly, like you've played in higher or been in high pressure situations through sport, and I'm always interested to know, like, how do you, Deal with that because if you can, because you've got millions of people watching on TV, tens of thousands or close to a hundred thousand, some instances watching live, um, a lot of stake, mm. money, mm. sure yeah, <clears clears throat> yeah, yep. well, there, you there is,
2: yeah, like,
0: option, option yeah, there control. is, yeah. um, how, did, how, have you, how do you overcome that? Like, if you've got, I know that, I remember in the at you played in the Ashes in 05, and I remember you dropping a catch on the boundary line. And um, I know Jared and um, I think a friend, another mate, Chucky, were there at the game and they just said the whole crowd would not let up on you the whole day. How do you move forward from that? Or in that moment? <laughs>
1: that, day, that, <laughs> that day was like, I, I never forget walking off the field on the day and, and saying to the... It was at the Oval. It was at the Oval um, in, in London. And I've never copped so much I mean, the, the abuse... Um, I mean the English got the English always make a big deal about coming here to Australia and getting abused, which is absolutely exactly how it is. <laughs> the australians are uh, relentless, but this the England was the same mm. I don't know if the I don't know if the abuse is as bad as Australia, like the way we talk, the way we swear and all that stuff as Aussies, you know what it's like but the English the English do it in a funny way, but they are relentless as well they just don't let up so and it's in the street as well when you're walking in the street they they're into us um so that day, I dropped that catch. It was, it was a very hard chance, by the way, I must say, by the way. But Kevin Peterson may have gone on to get 150. And what was the other I, one? I was down. A, it was not many. And I was down. A, and Warnie dropped him as well. I was down a fine leg. And the, the, the abuse the whole day. I walked off the field and I said to the boys, I, said, I can't believe my head, how much it hurt. The headache I've got from, from crowd noise um, and constant abuse. Um, and back at the, I was only 22 years old, so I wasn't really having fun with the crowd. I should have. I look back now, I should not have just had fun with it. But I took it too seriously. I was like, oh, just, just ignore them. I should have just turned around and gave them the finger or something, I, I, which I did later in my career. I did that all the time. But when I was younger, I just didn't really know. So I was trying to be like mentally tough and trying to shut the noise out. That's that was my strategy. Um, so I think that was I, I went through a lot of strategies for pressure and, and all that stuff. So one was to try and shut it out, which I was pretty good at. Um, I dealt with pressure very, very well in my the first half of my career, and towards the end, mm. I think a lot of players say this actually. A lot of sportsmen, when you get older, you you actually feel it more, which is weird. Anyway, so I felt, I felt like I was pretty good, pretty good with pressure most of my career. But um, there was obviously times when it, when it got too much, like when I took a break and whatever. But um, Sometimes I would I would uh, pretend I was in the backyard with Sharon and dad. Hmm. So I would, I would stand on the top of my mark and just go, you're in the backyard at home and it's just a normal game of cricket with a tennis ball and a bat, no gloves, no pads, no helmet, and it's fine. That's hmm. what I would do a lot as well. And I don't – I can't remember if it actually worked that well, to be honest, but at least it took my mind away from what I was doing.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. I guess that the self-talk, isn't it, is such a key thing in that situation, like for anything in life, like if you're – I don't know just having a bad day like we can our self talk can be horrendous to ourselves and we think it's the end of the world or you yeah. can reframe it to see it from a more positive point of view. But I guess to have that skill, I think it is a skill, to particularly in those high pressure situations, in that
1: moment to be able to reframe something and have that strategy is massive. Yeah. yeah. What I think is that I think right now the best the best way to do it is eat it up. And and again, it's almost like the the loss loss of my dad. Just just feel everything and go through it. So it's like if you're at the MCG, with seventy thousand people, whatever, and you got a bowl of death over. Just just try and enjoy the entertainment of it. Mm. That's what I would say. I think the the times I think now, thinking back, the times I did well is when I when I enjoyed the crowd, mm. the crowd. So if you're in Australia, the crowd's on your side. I enjoyed that, and then against when they're against you I enjoyed that as well it's like right this is what it's all about I'm bowling with Sachin Tendulkar in India hmm. i got to try and get him out so and I ended up yeah, one game I got him out I think that was that was purely because I was like I enjoy I'm joining this contest right now so players that I think can can eat the contest up and enjoy the pressure will often do do very well um you know when they when you come to a big game and so you're playing an AFL grand final and, and people go, it's just another game. Well it's not though, is it? Mm. And and I think that I think when you, you accept it's not just another game, mm. but you eat up the pressure and you the you, you excitement that's what you're there for, you're an entertainer.
2: Mm.
1: As soon as you accept that, I think that's better.
0: Mm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, definitely a good way to look at it. Again, everyone's got their own little strategies. But what finally yeah. to you and you I guess and to get the best out of yourself is really important. And it could be through sport or whatever. It is, and it's important again to go back to young people, like right? just sharing those experiences and um, passing on to them. Like again, it's it, whatever works. Like it might not what works for you might not work for somebody else, but just finding what works for you is so important for whatever the, whether that's in sport or life in general. I yep. mean, really important skill, isn't and...
1: that? That's the fun of it, though, isn't it? Isn't that the, the fun? I think the fun of life as well is working out what you are and you know, you know what I tell what helped me a lot uh, has helped me a lot over the last few years is. I, I did like a, a Myers Briggs personality test on whatever you Whatever know, yeah, for a bit of fun. A mate of mine a mate of mine told me to do it and I and I did it and I can't I couldn't believe how much it was like I was like, that's on the money there Yeah. To my personality. And that, that actually helped me a lot, accepting the way I am and the why the why why I do things and why I feel things and decisions I make. Mm-hmm. So when you basically what I'm saying is when you really work out what you accept your personality mm. the way you feel about things just accepting that and you know i'm like la- i'm quite lazy so and i used to have a big problem when my family would call me lazy i was like how can you call me lazy this is not And now i accept it that's what i am i'm a lazy person in in some ways right yeah. i can sit around and, and just lounge with a dog and watch tv and, and but i've accepted that now so then you go right what's what's i'm gonna make a decision on a job or something it's got to, it's got to align with what so rather than going spending the next 30 years of my life trying not to be lazy i'm just i just try and accept it a bit and say right what's going to work for me i'm not going to go on that holiday because it's too much i want to chill out so anyway yeah
0: well, no, it's uh, definitely it's yeah whatever works for yourself and knowing what yeah i think that was my is that a, is that a I think that's a strength is that a strengths test or a personality test or something.
1: It was a personality um, test anyway. It was it was it was it was quite good. I enjoyed it anyway. Yeah, absolutely. So. Everyone should do it.
0: Um mm. just um just a couple more questions before we wrap wrap up. So you're in Pakistan at the moment with the Pakistan cricket team and been the bowling coach for the last twelve months living in uh, Pakistan, UAE, um travelling around with the team, um had the pleasure of going to New Zealand. Yep um last year and catching up with you and um with Jared as well, your brother, and spending some mm. time. Um and you're in Pakistan now. What what's it? and I know that you've got for security reasons a few um restrictions. So yep. I think from the outside world sometimes we see professional sports people as glamorous. Um it'd be amazing and I'm sure there are definitely elements to that as well. But sometimes we forget to look about yep. the other side. So what what's
1: it like at the moment in Pakistan? Yeah so um obviously cricket has come back to Pakistan um and big teams are coming he- here uh, New Zealand here at the moment we've had the Aussies England um uh, the West Indies came so there's been there's been some some big teams come and come back to Pakistan but obviously you know they they've been very cautious about the whole thing um and so so basically I don't know the exact numbers but I've heard, I've heard two different numbers Right now, now, we have four thousand security personnel working on this, um, and just with us in the hotel in New Zealand. So, if we go, if you go four thousand, someone said it was seven thousand, but I think I, I've heard four thousand. Um, imagine what it costs just to feed the security, anyway. So they, they um, so if we go from the hotel to the ground, yeah. they shut off. And Karachi is a city of about twenty-five million people, by the way. So they shut the streets down. Um, and you look if we're driving along, and you look up on the buildings, and there's snipers all over the roofs, all the way to the ground about a 15 minute drive, all the way to the ground, snipers, and, and it's unbelievable. And anyway, so this is what's going on at the moment, and uh, here, um, but it's been it's it's fine, like it's been good. So the only thing is, you're just very restricted, you, you, you very rarely can you leave the hotel,
2: yeah.
1: Um, it's a hotel to the ground, and I've been doing this for a lot for the whole year basically except when we go away. Uh, and I, I gotta admit, it's getting long right now. I need to go. I need to go home. Like I want to go home and see my family. Yeah. Um, I've probably seen my family about two months this year of mm-hmm. of the tw- of this season. So i about twelve months. I've seen my family about for about two of them. Um, but we've still made it work. We knew when I signed up, when I signed with Pakistan, my wife and I had a chat, and we knew that it was going to be like this. So we accepted it. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's very understanding. Um. Because the alternative for me was sitting around doing not, not not much, so you know being being back in cricket, I'm very uh, very grateful. Um, so I wouldn't have it any other way. Obviously, except it'd be nicer to be with the family a bit more, which obviously in the future that's the plan. Yeah. Um, so that, anyway, that personally that's from from me. But um, so yeah, I think the teams have come at, come here, you know, by the end of it, they're certainly ready to go home because it is tough at, at the end of the day being being stuck in a hotel mm. and then just going just to the ground. Um it's it's a tough it's a tough existence after a period of time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
0: It's um and that's and that's oh, I mean, yeah, that that would be tough like being stuck in the, the hotel for pretty much like for months at a time, I only let out at yep. certain times into certain venues, I guess. But um one of those And things it's
1: not i like, i just gotta say it's not a five star hotel in Dubai.
2: Put it that way. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> so the best of what yeah. offer. Yeah, it's it's fine, it's fine, but it's not the, it's not a five star hotel in Dubai. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> but uh,
0: <laughs> yeah, anyway, it's um that yeah, def- I think it's really important to highlight. It's not a, what's cracked up to be sometimes professional sports lives. Um, and I know Pakistan because you're in a different culture. Like Pakistan, um, I guess you've come from like Australia, um, so mm. the UK, where I guess you can go out. It's I mean, sport is. Particularly cricket. Yeah, you're free. You're free. You're free. Yeah. But that culture of having a beer with your mates after a game. And I guess because yep. Pakistan, um, I know there's um, in the support staff, you've got um, people from South Africa, um, Australia, yep. and other parts of the world as well. But I guess that different culture where they don't drink, for example. Um,
2: mm.
0: I yep. But I did have the privilege of meeting a couple of the Pakistani um, support staff and also the players when we were in New Zealand. Mm. But actually, like, um, how friendly they are,
2: yeah, oh, yeah,
0: struck me. Like, it was really incredible. Like, they come up and yep. talk, have a conversation, we're really interested in what you do. And, um, even got a after my dad passed away, I think, um, Darnie uh asked for my number and he sent me a text, yep. um, just to send his condolences for my dad for passing away. So, and yep. some of these stories are amazing,
1: like, where they come from, how they grow up. And then end up
2: making... what um
1: oh, mate, what I, what I, yeah exactly it's all it's all the what I, what I would say about about uh being in the subcontinent, especially you know obviously i've I've lived in India, but being in um Pakistan, you make you, you, the relationships you make with with people from the subcontinent are so thick and strong like it's 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 incre- we're again, we're an independent culture australia where we can sort of go off and in some ways you know. Yeah, Australians are great people, but we're not. So I suppose the hospitality side of things and the and the warmth of the people in the subcontinent is like no other mm. that I've experienced. Um, and when you make a friendship here, it is is honestly a lifetime bond. Mm. Um, that's for sure. I mean, okay, I'm not at the end of my life just yet, so I don't know. But you know what I mean, mm.
2: um,
1: the guys. I mean, when I played for Rajasthan Royals in India, I mean, I'm weekly still still messaging a lot of people from there and. and Serious friendships. So that's the greatest thing about the subcontinent, and is the the hospitality of the people and, and the warmth and the friendships. Yeah,
0: okay. and I think um, you could ex- expand on this a bit, but uh, the the players like they will um, invite each other over to um, each other's places. So instead of going to the like the pub for a beer, they'll go to their um, somebody's house and share a meal together. They sit on I think they sit on yeah. the floor and um, eat together. That's right,
1: food is food's everything. Here. Yeah, yeah, food's everything. With um, done with people in pakistan everything yeah. um and then food and the food is good too it's great yeah. and so yeah it's very much that they'll they'll, they'll get together and they'll chat and laugh and, and eat eat together which a lot of cultures around the world i mean you t- if you take alcohol out of it especially in, in cricket yeah. or whatever that's what they do but people get around and and, and eat, eat together and have a laugh so yeah yeah it's really yeah, it's amazing
0: um mm. yeah just last question so out of cricket um, I know that you've invested in a couple of things. The Port Elliot Hotel. Um you've got a good Hotel
1: Elliott. Hotel,
0: Hotel Elliot, Elliot, sorry, sorry. Gee, that was uh, nearly abused lot of the uh, <laughs> press conference. Um oh, the journal. Yeah, the Hotel Elliot. Um also I reckon Jared, your brother, and um another mate, um, Luke have got a very successful um lawn and gardening business called Adelaide Hills Lawns and Gardens um and I think you were an early investor in
1: that to help get them started yeah no I'm not yeah I'm not involved with that I'm not involved anymore those guys are flying so I'm, I'm out of that but yeah anyway yeah you're, good that you're off the tools as well from what I've seen yeah um
0: and also one that is really interesting is um now correct me if I'm wrong with the name but the Mutt Walkers
1: is that right very funny
0: I'm not involved
1: <laughs> I'm not involved in that anymore either no Thank but was that, was that what it was called I, I was yeah. You know, when I retired, I, I came up with this idea to start a dog walking business. I wanted to do something that was completely opposite to cricket, and and I thought I'll just set this up, and then eventually, yeah, it'll go well, and I'll I'll leave and I'll walk off, and uh, and it'll just run. It'll be just a little side thing. Um. But so when I when I retired from cricket, I wanted to, like I said, I wanted to get as far away from cricket as possible, and I wanted to. Try and live a normal life, which is impossible. In the, I, I realized was impossible. So I got. It was so dumb, actually, to be honest. Now I think about it, I'm, my dad at the time was just telling me, "You, you, you got rocks in your head doing this." What? You, what you? So I was getting abusive phone calls from people. So, at four o'clock in the morning, saying, "Come and walk my dog." <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny, isn't it?
0: It's so, so funny. To be honest, the actual concept's a pretty good idea. So, it I is reckon- a good idea. So correct me if my this is my recollection. So you, you had this idea, you registered, like, set up the business name. Was it called Muttwalkers? Walkers?
1: Mart Walkers. It was a yeah, friend Mutt. of mine in India. He's a creative guy, and he he did all the stickers and the yeah. name, and and it was so, it was good. It was bloody good. I've got to say. And then yeah, even had and a car. Yeah.
0: You had a car that was wrapped in the a, I, um,
1: the works, the work, the works. I was like, Jarrett, my brother's good. You know, he loves talking about business and setting things up and building things. He loves it. Like he. So he was just helping me along. He was like, just do this. It'll be and it was good. It was actually good for me at the time. But um but then it basically when you that aside, anything you try and do outside of cricket can be quite difficult. When you when you when you see all this stuff in the news, people see this about the sports retiring. And they're like, Oh, and, and let's be honest. Most most of the time people sit there and go, oh, look at this bloke. He's been privileged his whole life playing sport. Now he can't deal with reality. well, yeah. And a lot of the time it's because people around don't allow you to fit back in society. To be honest, I know this sounds ridiculous, but it's true. Yeah. Um, I was getting abusive phone calls, mm. um, which is which I understand completely now. And yeah, because people don't want you to be anything else. If you've been a known sportsman, that's what they know you as. And then you try and do something else. And like, this is weird. I go, yeah, you know, I go and serve beers at the pub at, at, at the Elliot, which is great. But it's it's you know it's it's too much of a. So much of a thing when you've got an ex footy player, an ex cricketer serving beers behind the bar. it's you know it attracts a lot of attention. Put it that way, and people love to have a go as well. People love to dig in and go, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, try and get a reaction out of him." So going back to cricket was the easiest, the easiest thing I've done since retirement was going back into cricket.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Did Mark Walker? I can since you when you had that car wrapped up and branded, was it two days later? The business uh, probably.
1: Better say closed. It wasn't long after. It wasn't long after. I shut it off very I went, and, I went and spoke to Dad. And yeah, and he he actually said, said he goes, wait till the people in the subcontinent know you're doing this. If you have any phone calls, you're gonna get then. <laughs> and I was like, he's so he's so right. He was right. I was like and that day when I was speaking to him, I'm like, right, I'm canceling it. He goes, Good. So it's, uh,
0: maybe it's something you could set up in uh, Karachi in from the hotel.
1: It's, do you know, do you know uh, in London, living in London now, it is huge business. Is that right? People are, oh. Dog walk yeah. is huge business, dog walk. Yeah. Well, not well, for well, me, well, though. Think about it. Hey. <laughs>
0: when you get back, think about it. Be, uh, we restarted. <laughs> right? point, point, no, 2.0? Yeah. Yeah, I'll have to give them your, your phone number instead. Oh, well, but I'm not a, really a dog person, so I don't think it's uh, probably the, <laughs> the right I to give. But um, now, nah, Sean, thank you uh, very much for your time. It's been very insightful and um, certainly great to hear your point of view about dealing with some challenges and whether that's, um, I guess, from challenges that sport has caught or being a result of sport or uh, dealing with high-press situations, um, living away from home, those challenges. And hopefully people have learned some things that they didn't know about you. i certainly certainly learning a few new things, which is great. And I uh, really appreciate... Uh, you coming on the podcast today and i in the show notes um i think yeah i'll just put a couple links where people can follow you on um, instagram i might even give out um your number so people can uh inquire about yeah great
1: to do that mate It'd be
2: great oh, okay. <laughs> fantastic uh
0: uh-uh. um no, i really appreciate your, uh, your time today sean and um right, mate. Good chat. Hopefully it's a lovely day in karachi
2: yep thank you thank you cheers mate